0: Who are we trying to solve a problem for? What is the problem that we're trying to solve? What's almost the, the kind of easiest way that we could do it that doesn't require lots of labour-intensive stuff? And what's a series of assumptions that we have that we can either quickly validate or invalidate? <laughs>
1: Today, I spoke with Dr. Satya Raghavanchi, who is the VP of Clinical at the famous health tech company Acurex. So we talked all about clinical leadership and her journey from pediatrics to a hackathon, to working as a clinical AI fellow at Babylon Health, to her role now, where she is heading up a very large team of clinicians, making a huge impact In health in predominantly the primary care sector, but also secondary care. So we talked about product thinking, product development, the framework of how she's developed her own leadership mindset, and also what she looks for when she's hiring for her team. So this is something that if you are looking about developing yourself as a leader um, in healthcare, health tech, industry you name it this is something that you need to listen to because she clearly has grown so so much from her clinical role but is totally still really grounded and she's such a lovely person anyway on to the episode so let's get real our value as doctors has significantly diminished over the last decade so how can we turn that around by upskilling and creating rewarding and impactful careers on our own terms. Welcome to Disrupting Doctors' Careers. I'm your host, Dr. Baina Bubbers-Jones, and I'm on a mission to connect one million talented doctors with the best in diverse career opportunities. Welcome to Disrupting Doctors' Careers. Today we're going to be talking about clinical leadership, in health tech and other sectors. And um, to discuss this very topic, I am really proud to introduce to you Dr. Satya Raghuvanchi, who is the VP of Clinical at Acurix. So some of you may be familiar with Acurix, particularly if you work in the primary care sector. We're going to hear a little bit more about Acurix, but you may be aware it's a software company um, that is a communication platform for many NHS and integrated care systems. And it's been around for a few years and it's growing. Anyway, welcome Satya. Thanks, Yes, yeah. And I've been a long time fan and follower, so really excited to be actually able to
0: join the
1: podcast and speak to you. Awesome. Privilege. Well, well, it's it's a pleasure because we actually met in person in April for the first time at an exciting event at the Accurix headquarters in London. And at that point, you were talking about building teams. And I know, actually, let's talk about your journey so, from pediatrics, so you're like literally the second pediatrician I spoke to this week who is an amazing clinical leader. Uh, previous one is Umang Patel at Microsoft. But tell me, how did you end up in a leadership position at a health tech company coming from a pediatric background? How did that happen?
0: I, I think that took a very non traditional route, although I'm not sure there are many traditional routes to be honest, getting into health tech. No, and so I have been doing paediatrics it was only in my first um specialty training year and um, actually had the opportunity to go off and do a master's in public health I had these when I joined paediatrics I had this very kind of grand ambition to go and be a humanitarian pediatrician so working for you know medicines on frontiers and, and doctors without borders, and probably a very romanticized view of what that would be like um, and so I thought oh the next this journey is really to understand health on a, on a global scale. Um, so I went off to the US to do a master's, and it was actually during that time that I started to develop an interest in health tech. So I had the opportunity to go to hackathons. So at the university, they would run hackathons. They had a medical school attached. So um, they were, the first one I ever went to was paediatric one, and I was appalling in it, um, we had a good idea. I think we just we were beaten out by other ideas. But I'd never been to hackathon before. Um, and it was this idea of like working with engineers, working with, uh, you know, uh, data scientists and product managers to really develop an idea that could solve a bigger problem uh, in the healthcare space. Um, we talk a lot, I think, in healthcare about multidisciplinary teams and how that's really uh, great to deliver care. But I've never worked in a multidisciplinary team with people outside of healthcare. And as uh-huh. so soon as I started to, it was really kind of an um, exciting ambition and, and feeling around there's so much we can do in the healthcare space that, you know, we just are underutilizing a lot of our existing technology or resources, um, which, uh-huh. would have, which would make magnitudes of difference in, in healthcare. So I started going to happen, came back into pediatric training and had already got bug by them and wanting to work in health tech and healthcare. Um, and actually found the opportunity at then at Babylon Health. So that's where I started and mm. um, my career. I had lots of um, fellow colleagues as well who, who you know who started there. Um, and that was the first foray I got into working with a health tech space or in the health tech company. Uh, so it was working as a clinical AI fellow and, and starting mm. up my clinical work from what was then their flagship product of the symptom checker. And that really started to kind of solidify that I, this is something that I wanted to do longer term. And whilst I love paediatrics, love clinical medicine, uh, definitely wanted to use my brain in a different way to solve very unbound and often complex challenges in healthcare end to end using technology. Just haven't experienced anything like that before. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of how it started, you know, left Babylon, wanted to continue to maintain a career in that, um, and then saw the opportunity come up at Acurex, who at that time were looking for, I think, you know, one of their early clinical needs, um, spoke to my sister, who's GP, <laughs> and said, hey, do you know anything about Acurex? Very early days of Acurex, um, but she was one of the few uh, GPs in her practice who were using it and she raved about it um, and I thought, oh, okay, there probably is something here, uh, so that's kind of how I landed in, in the health tech space
1: Brilliant, Is your just out of interest, is your sister she's still GPing Do you know time?
0: what,
1: she is not <laughs> she, I, I, think,
0: I think she's now followed in my footsteps. so she's now uh, working as a health tech technician in, in the VR space um, Oh, so, interesting so, Yeah, and they do really interesting stuff around basically um building up clinical skills through the use of VR so even things like communication skills such as she builds some of those um, scenarios Great. so yeah she's definitely she's I think she, I think now she's probably in my class but
1: well, we'll... wow wow well, that's that's so interesting because um it, yeah I mean I could say so much about that story but yeah. I mean it's really interesting how you essentially took a pun and just followed your passion and then clearly it got you to a point where it's like, hey, I mean, actually a lot of people cut their teeth at Babylon, yeah. right? I, I know so many people yeah. that who have worked at Babylon and that have then developed careers outside of that in a leadership capacity. So what what is it that you learned, particularly working as a clinical AI fellow, that Acurix really valued in you at that stage? I think there were a few things. One was a really deep appreciation of Product
0: thinking and how you mm-hmm. how you translate your clinical experience and your clinical background into product development um, so I think at that point there were you know fewer clinicians who had that experience so certainly coming into Accurex and I remember that being quite a key focus of my first interview at Accurex around how do you think about product how do you take the skills that you've learned in your clinical experience, your clinical knowledge, and adapt it to a way that really helps to solve the user need that maybe not maybe one that you're not familiar with, but how can you have that adaptability of thinking um, to kind of uh, you know surface that in product? Um, and also can you can that thinking be pragmatic? Because I think there's often a lot of like blue sky things that we want to do. Um, but can you take a pragmatic approach working backwards from kind of the end problem to say? Here's how you would do this in a handful of scenarios or a handful of use cases. Here's how you might think about scaling that. So almost certainly, I think I think that was one of the key things that they were looking for. More broadly, I think it's also just the ability to collaborate. So um, coming into a team where you are a subject matter expert in a in a in a more niche space, actually, in in a tech company, Um, and can you work effectively with engineers, can you work effectively with product managers to deliver an end-to-end solution? So what is your ability to collaborate and also feed that contextual awareness in a way that someone who's got no familiarity with the NHS um, can understand why they're building the thing they're building um, and why it's important. And again, what problems are trying to solve for? So I'd say those were those are probably the key key things. i sure lots of other things, but I'd say those were the two,
1: two standouts for me. Mm. I mean because obviously the experience that you gained in Babylon was fairly unique and being able yes. to develop that because like, so how long were you there for in total
0: I was only there for 10 months so oh wow I, yeah it's a really steep simple, learning curve short time yeah but the learning curve is is just yeah like you said it's so steep you pick up so much in sh- such a short amount of time and um, mm. and I think once you've got like it's very hard and and uh, not to to let it go basically and, and not continue to pursue your career because if I think about The Babylon Fellows that I'm still in touch with, you know, lots of them, We for us, it was very much a stepping stone to a further career in health tech, so it gave us a lot of independent skills and and attributes, I think, that we could take on, either even if we were going back to clinical practice, certainly lots of them have continued on to build, like, very successful careers.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think it's amazing. I can think of so many people. But going back to th- today's episode question, which is what does clinical leadership in health tech in particular uh, look like? I mean, you've been at Acurix for like three, four years now. Yeah, just shy of four years. Yeah. yeah and obviously, they at the time, there were about 16 people in your team and then now there's over 250 <laughs> Yeah, that yeah that's
0: right I think I joined as my employee number 20 or something um, yeah. yeah and then so, yeah, we, yeah we so came. how
1: how has your so, so yes yeah, so yeah I'm trying to ask the question when it comes to clinical leadership how has that changed or morphed from the early stage to what it is now which really isn't a long period of time in the grand scheme of things um yeah. but what have you noticed um I, I think certainly there's that, probably a few things for me
0: so when we when I first joined epilepsy it was very much you're the clinical lead in a one product team so you've got a you know fairly undefined scope of what you're trying to achieve we've got an idea around we want to build kind of a communication record that follows a patient. and um, your job is to work with the team to execute that and to to come to a product where you know it's intuitive and it's Intuitive to use, it's user-friendly, it's me for both the healthcare professional and the patient. So it's very heavily a product-focused role, and that makes sense because Acurex is, is a product-focused company. We're led by product development um, and we invest heavily into that. I think over time the leadership role on the clinical side has really changed. So part of it is we've grown an in-house clinical team, so we've hired lots of clinicians, and um, they're doing a number of key skills. So They're sorting the product development piece. There's a huge piece around what we call kind of contextual healthcare awareness as a company. So um, one of the beliefs that I have is, you know, you really have to care about what you're doing to do it day in, day out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so having when you when you are doing that, you need to have real empathy for people in the system, people who are healthcare professionals who are working in these very often, you know, limited resourced um, institutions and in trying to deliver the best quality of patient care. So something that's really important to me and, and I think more broadly to, to us is that do you, people who work here have empathy for healthcare professionals and patients? Are you kind of focused around the mission and, and why we care about it? And do you understand that? Because working in the NHS is so different to working in any other industry. Um, and, and so how do we build that contextual awareness and all this kind of empathy Internally, about why this is such an important mission, why it's such an important problem to solve for. So that's been quite a key focus of, of the role, it's kind of within 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 um, I think how the leadership structure is involved is is definitely building a really high performing like clinical function at AccuX okay. that's really clear on why you have clinical leads in a company. So they're not just there to be subject matter experts. They're not just there to you know manage the clinical safety and, and the regulatory pieces and they're not just there to be the default you know would a patient do a thing and um, so it's been trying to take a lot of the activity that we do as clinical leaders which is very broad everything from relationship management to contextual awareness and really make it very clear what the role of clinical is within that and I say that's probably more my role now is, is trying to take The broad kind of overview of clinical is to be the translation between the user need and the product. (laughs) That's kind of you know broadly what we what we do as clinical leads in a health tech space. But my role is to say, okay, but what does that actually look like? You know, what does what do? How do we equip people with those skills? How do we measure progress against that? How do we say that some of this is what we expect of the development of the clinical leads? It's been building out that function.
1: I mean, I, th- I think that's really interesting because you're asking quite key questions which are bigger thinking, um, really, as you talked about, it talks about product thinking, you talked about product development. And when we think about doctors to try and get themselves into that mindset, I mean, for you, what was that journey like? Yeah, Because it is it is a jump for a lot of people to start thinking in that capacity. And we know you've had a conversation about this, how some doctors, quite a lot of doctors, especially if, if all the, the, the totality of their experience is clinical, they struggle to see the bigger picture beyond that clinical. So yeah. it's like, how have you developed that change in mindset? What has that taken you? I think personally for
0: me, it's honestly just doing it on the ground so mm. we're trying to get back to asking myself a series of questions of when we're trying to do something so again who are we trying to solve a problem for what is the problem that we're trying to solve what's almost the the kind of easiest way that we could do it that doesn't require lots of labor intensive stuff and what's the serious assumptions that we have that we can either quickly validate or invalidate about the mm-hmm. thing we and so that kind of framing helped help me develop kind of from a product perspective. I, I've also been incredibly privileged to be able to work with very good product thinkers and product leaders who I've learned a lot from either through, you know, informal conversations or lean copies or just by direct observation of the way that they operate in, in you know, meetings and conversations um, and working more closely with our product managers to understand what the things that motivate them? How do they think about bringing teams together and, and product thinking? So, Wow. I'd say there isn't kind of one universal way of developing that, but I, th- I think a lot of it is speak to people, <laughs> speak to people who are doing it, understand how they think about it. There's so much resource, you know, in terms of like written resource, et cetera, to really um uh understand what product development and healthcare look like. Um and then there's also just there's no kind of uh replacement for just doing it. And, and starting to think about that. And you can take that approach that I, you know, I've outlined very briefly on, on kind of how you think about the how you think about product development to any problem in healthcare space, right? So if you're a clinician working hospitals, you probably don't have that much capacity, but you can probably identify a bunch of issues that you're like, gosh, it would be so good if somebody fixed this, or wouldn't it be better if some if this happened instead of this? And so, if you start to lean into that mindset of trying to do those, make those changes quickly, and things that you can influence, some of those things will be bigger than you. um, But take that same approach. Actually, you'll start getting into that kind of mindset of let's solve a problem, and and that's the way that I think about product. Good product should solve a problem, Um, and so it's the same way that you could approach anything that you're trying to do, from a quality improvement project in a hospital to you know to to product development.
1: Yeah I mean like, talking about leadership in hospitals compared to leadership in health tech what do you think have, have been the main differences like at what point at what point did you leave uh, paediatrics?
0: So I left after SD3 so I completed okay. my SC 3 year so I left quite early I'd say into paediatric training just very long by by its nature and um, mm-hmm. I felt I'd got a good breadth of experience where I could use that clinical knowledge experience and i to be honest, I left with quite a lot of uncertainty about whether or not I would have any sort of future in, in health tech. It was a real kind of um, I say it was a big decision um, in the moment, certainly felt very big, maybe doesn't feel as big now, but you know, you came to this precipice of like, do I continue in training but have almost very little to no time to try and do this healthcare thing that I really want to do in the health tech space? Um, or do I take the gamble and say, let me do it and let's try so I set myself this like you know, the equivalent value will take for me to do a PhD <laughs> for three mm-hmm. years, and I'll see what I can achieve in three years um, and um, you know with the with the understanding that I may not be able to go back to the depth of training so I have to give up my national training number um but I would always be able to go back to some sort of clinical full-time work if I if I wanted mm-hmm. to and that's also the beauty of medicine is that you can do that um, you know, but, but that's mm-hmm. the that's a personal thing sure. for myself.
1: But how do you think? How do you think the leadership skills that you require in, say, a clinical role, an actual healthcare clinical role, compares yes. to what you require in, say, a health tech or industry role? How, think, what what are the main differences? I think actually there's just lots of similarities. I don't think there are distinct differences if I'm honest. So I think okay. within
0: within a healthcare setting you have to be an excellent collaborator. So if you're trying to drive and and work in a leadership structure in a hospital, it's very similar to trying to do that in a health tech space. It's just a different organisation with its own nuances. So I think for me, one of the main things is you've got to be a really strong collaborator. You have to be able to communicate well um, and be able to you know, prioritise and be very clear and concise on what the ask is and what you're expecting of people. the expecting of people, I think, is really important as well. So I think for a good leader, you have to set clear expectations and identify how do you support someone um, to progress, how do you support your team to develop. Those skills are, are true of being a leader in a hospital as they are of you know being a leader in any other industry, but especially in a health tech space. And I think you also have to be a little bit fearless um, in that sense, I, I think you've got to be able to take the gamble. I, I just, I still remember when I was thinking about leaving paediatrics. Every other clinician I spoke to at that time was saying, "Don't do it," you know, um, or that I wouldn't have a career. Where I'd come back to paediatrics in in less than six months, um, and I think if I hadn't had probably, you know, the support systems that I had, I wouldn't have necessarily taken the gamble because. You work so hard to get your medical degree. You work so hard for that national training number. It almost, you know, it feels like gold dust at that point. Yeah. And so to have those, then have those conversations, saying like, "This is a huge risk. I might not be able to achieve much. I don't know." It, it's a big deal. So I think there's an element of like, don't be afraid to walk the untrodden path because the beauty of medicine is your skills are so adaptable and universal to put other healthcare settings. So I think there's probably little. I think the other thing that I think is probably quite similar both across health tech spaces and working within a healthcare sector is you've got to also understand the culture under which it operates. Um, and so you've got to be able to understand and, and kind of work within those cultural barriers. So you might have fear of change. You might have really poor management process implementation. And you've got to understand those in order to be able to drive meaningful things. And again, that's true of whether you're trying to do it um, in the NHS or whether you're
1: trying to do it mm-hmm. in the health tech space. Mm, I, I think that's that's really really great advice. And I mean, for doctors, I mean, going, going back to the question where we talked about what can doctors do to develop their leadership skills proactively um, to position themselves for leadership roles in health tech or beyond. Um, beyond talking to people and being curious was actually one of the yeah. things that came out of our MedTech roundtable a, uh, a few weeks ago was that some of the doctors who are founders or leaders in their uh, respective companies say they don't necessarily hire for skills anymore and that's that's the buzzword that's going around now it's all about skills first yeah. hiring uh, now they're saying they focus on hiring for curiosity right which is quite interesting yeah. so what does that mean hiring for people who are generally really buy into the companies who just are really motivated to find out more will be asking those questions similar to the questions that you were asking earlier on um, but then, you know, the challenge that a lot of doctors face is how do I get into companies? How do I get that experience? How do I talk to people? Because yeah. everyone's doing it now, and you know, not every doctor or product person has time for a hundred one to ones and coffees. So, yeah. so is there anything else that they can do that you can think? to to help actually kind of prime themselves for like the chief medical officer roles or leadership roles um, beyond obviously our course, of of course our program that we run (laughs) for doctors in industry. Um, But yeah, kind of any any practical advice? Like for example, you've talked about going to hackathons in your journey and things like that. Would you recommend that? Yeah, definitely. I I think there's quite a lot of like activity based things. So
0: hackathons, you know, um, fellowships, um, courses that you can do that help to upskill you, and lots of those are subsidised or you know accessible on online forums, etc. So you'll get lots of different opportunities there to be able to generally upskill. I think there's something to be there's something to be said for that kind of um, almost entrepreneurial spirit in the sense of you know solving problem within your existing care setting. So wherever you're working taking that initiative to say, let me try and, and, and fix something, because that experience speaks real real volumes when you then come to like an interview. and when I so part of the challenge that we have is we have lots of people who are interested in roles. It's very it's very hard to differentiate between people who, you know, may just be looking to the dip their toe in versus people who are incredibly passionate because you don't always have the same exposure to to those opportunities depending on your role and your work life, you know, all the other all the other things that are on your plate at any one moment. Mm-hmm. So, so I think the kind of definitely see what kind of how you can upskill more generally um, through accessing, you know, some of these programs. There's something to be said about just. Building a bit of a network of people that you can talk to. So appreciate your of, you know, and not having time for copies, et cetera. But reaching out, I get lots of people reaching out on LinkedIn, they'll say, here's some general advice about, about things that you can do. Um, and, and actually speaking to people about different roles and like what their role is like. So what do they actually do in a company? So that gives you a really good sense. Also really empowers you when you get to an interview, or like, I've spoken to, you know, I'm really interested in doing this role, and actually I've spoken to people at your company who maybe don't do the role they have told me a little bit about the company uh, or I've spoken to other people who've done this role in other, other companies and you're then better informed when you get to that stage um, and just, I think you're right, in the sense of curiosity is so important, so we also don't hire for skills, we hire things like we're not expecting anyone to have done product development, to have you know come from a health tech company um, we're looking for people who show potential and by potential I mean uh, can you think flexibly around a problem, um, so don't have you know, can you have fixed ideas but actually are you open to those fixed ideas being challenged when you're given more contextual information or something that maybe doesn't quite fit with with the answer that you've given so really that flexibility of thinking um, and uh, and we always obviously centre around a, a not familiar healthcare problem, so it should feel quite, quite reachable for most people um, we also look for you know just general skills of do you show do you demonstrate kind of responsible ownership so when we ask you about things like can you just think through what are some of the clinical safety elements how would you kind of work with the product team to share that understanding none of these are difficult questions we're just expecting to be able to collaborate and you know find a way that engages the team around around this issue and um, and so I, I think it's really that that kind of potential which is really hard to capture, but it is it is curiosity, it is flexibility of thinking, it is just being a nice person. Honestly, that will take you further than you will ever imagine. So like yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> be nice, be lovely. You're going to meet members of the team. They will give feedback. So so you know engage in that process. Um, I think it's interesting. Speaking to somebody who started their own company, and they said they have an anti-jerk
1: interview. <laughs> what, what? does that involve? An anti-jerk interview. I they
0: I, I think it's just a bunch of questions, basically about, um, you know, what do you care about? How do you work with people that you kind of disagree with? Um, mm. uh, etc. Which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, and but for us, the other thing is, are you a cultural fit in the organisation? So you know, I've I've met with doctors who generally when we talk about the mission that's a thing that personally brought me here but I don't expect everyone to be you know care about the mission as much but it's so important so if you are one of the things that we're trying to do, for example, Ectorex is join up communication across across the NHS. Yeah.
1: So
0: one of the big red flags for me is when somebody's really derogatory, if they work in primary care they're derogatory about their secondary care colleagues or such, I'm like, that's actually antithesis to, to the mission of what we're trying to achieve. And if you come in with that opinion, but you're also not willing to say, hey, there's a problem and this is something I want to solve or get to make better, that will be a bit of a red flag to me. So are you mission aligned? Are you kind of going to fit well in, in the culture and ethos that we have as companies. So you know will you be transparent about your mistakes? Um because we all make mistakes and that's human nature. Um, will you yeah. show responsible ownership if you're given a task? Will you work collaboratively to deliver it? Will you own it and an end-to-end? End? Lots of these things it's not easy to assess for an interview, but it certainly gives you a taste of what someone's going to be like when they land in the organisation. Um, and I say some of the clinicians that struggle more with it are the ones who are maybe a bit more fixed in what they know and so mm. you know all uh, the all the cultural ways of working that they've worked with in whatever health setting they, they've previously worked in um mm-hmm. they, i'd say they probably struggle the most in some ways
1: mm. i that's it's interesting because again like we speak to a lot of companies and i see companies are increasing the number of touch points in their recruitment process so they get to know more about the candidates or the doctors that are coming through do you think that's necessary especially for leadership roles or is it like what you get people to do because at the end of the day you know we we know that you can professionalize um, getting into a job, right? It's 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 it. In many ways, it is a skill, but you also do want to pick out those people that are going to be right, as you said, like right for your team, right for the company. So, but does that translate to making sure that you get more of a three sixty degree view of who they are for as as, as long as possible? Because time is another factor. So, yeah, mm. I'd love to hear your your thoughts on that. I'll be honest. I think dragging out the interview process is a little bit unfair to
0: everyone involved Mm, uh and and the reality is some people will be fantastic or professional interviewers and you know will get through the door very easy other people will take a little bit more time so we have a very standardized kind of interview process where we try and one make it incredibly fair for every candidate I don't I think for me personally whilst I really want to know the candidate I don't need to know everything about you and you know, and um, what I want to know about is why do you want to work? Why do you care about working here? What's the thing that you personally want to be driven by? What's like driving you in in this process, and and why you're engaging with this interview, or why you thought, hey, this is a role that I that I want. The the most important thing for me though is, is getting a feel for this person outside of just me. So <laughs> so getting to meet the team. So we always invite people to come and have lunch with the team because they have an equal vote in in you know whether or not that person joins. And so that I think is quite important because something that I found is where you have that imbalance actually ends up causing so much disruption down the line. And we've got Mm. to a place now where like our kind of bodies will feel very comfortable saying, yeah, this person's great, or actually, yeah, I'd just love to know a little bit more about how they might support someone who's more junior than them. Um, And so that will allow us one to give us a little bit more to dig into. And um, if we want to have another interview, but often we have, we just try and standardize the interview process with a kind of meet the team session. Um, and actually, we are still being assessed in that meet team session because that's where you're going to land. And I think with the, the clinical leads specifically, it is also really like, actually, could you be a good leader in the sense of would people follow you because they enjoy working with you? They understand, you know, that your role and, and, um, you've communicated that well them and and have you set how have you set that team ways of working really it's not something we assess for interview it's something we assess throughout the kind of probation period um but that that's really important as well once you actually join so I say for me it's less about it's really important to know what drives you both personally and professionally I, I don't think it's important and maybe this is I don't know maybe people will disagree to know to have a full 360 view of of a person. I'd love to say we do that, but I think it's really hard to do that. And I think sometimes people, you only get that sense once somebody's joined. Um, because, you know, there's kind of the like we all do, there's the persona we have an interview. Um, and then and hopefully you can bring your authentic self to that. But actually sometimes that authentic self is just seen after you've been here a while. Um, and, and you know there's some of the like barriers that come down and you start to feel comfortable in the setting. So yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's that's I say where we get more than we succeeding of one.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Well, listen, we I've really appreciated all of your amazing insights into your own journey, but also what clinical leadership looks like or can look like, particularly in a health and a tech scenario. And also, you know, I want to emphasise there aren't that many women. <laughs> in leadership in health tech that I know that are really doing remarkably well and I always get excited speaking to people like you um, because it's not easy it isn't easy and I can only imagine how much you've grown in this process and how much of an impact you're making to our country and our society (laughs) through what you're doing at Accurate so thank you I want to say thank you
0: no, well, I want to say thank you to you, because honestly, when I was first looking at moving roles from, from pediatrics, it was actually a Facebook post that you put up on the Medic Footprints. Oh, wow. That, that gave me the copy. and I read through like every post on there, awesome. and, and that was the thing. So yeah, thank you so much as well, because I don't think I'd be here without, without you know, your um, sending like Facebook engagement, so great. Yeah, it's- really appreciate it
1: thank you it's always a win and we don't always hear all the stories so i'm really glad that we got to connect so i could hear about your journey so thank you so much satya and if Take anyone care. wants to get reach out to you uh what's the best way yeah. of doing that
0: um they can either add me on linkedin or they can drop me an email at satya at acux.com so very happy to contact awesome everybody. thank you
1: so much yeah. satya thank you Take care.